Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. It's about recognizing that our lives are a product of the choices that we make, and the ripple effects of those choices impact our families, our communities, and the world. So let's choose wisely. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, then we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because, after all, we are always evolving, and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. I've been cleaning out my closets and drawers, kind of on a bit of a spring cleaning spree. And as I consider which items I'm keeping and which ones I'm releasing, it got me thinking about the meaning that we attach to things. And this reminded me of a spiritual teaching that has had a pretty big impact on my life. Now, I'm not a religious person. I definitely lean more toward the spiritual. Dogma, judgment, anything that pits one sect against another has never appealed to me. And I've always resisted being told what to think and what to believe. So when I stumbled upon A Course in Miracles almost 20 years ago, it immediately piqued my interest, probably because it came into my life right around the time I was really starting to open myself up spiritually. And it gave me a context or framework to work with. A Course in Miracles is not a religion. It's a self-study course in spiritual psychology. The course teaches that while a universal belief system is not possible, the universal experience of love is not only possible, but necessary. So it's really about looking at the beliefs and assumptions we've made about life and choosing to align and continually realign with love, which A Course in Miracles teaches is the core truth of who we are. This is a belief system that resonates with me, much more so than the prevalent belief system taught by many religions that we are born in sin, are inherently evil, and must spend the rest of our lives proving our value to God so we can get into heaven. No offense to anyone who believes this way, it just doesn't resonate with me. While I was born and raised Catholic, my relationship with God really began when I let go of the dogma of religion, any religion, and developed a direct relationship with God or spirit or the universe or whatever you want to call this energy. And when I completed my intensive hypnotherapy training and really started to understand how our minds create our realities, it was solidified for me that buying into any belief that promotes guilt and shame is worth re-examining. It's just another belief system. And why would I feed a belief system that wants me to accept that I'm guilty from the moment I was born? Again, no offense to anyone else's belief systems. It just isn't the one I'm aligning with. And if this is something that you are not even willing to explore, you may want to sign off of this particular podcast now. But if you're open-minded and willing to consider another way of looking at things, I think you'll find this episode leaves you with some very interesting food for thought. Now, A Course in Miracles is really a lifelong study. It's quite a dense course and can be quite difficult to get through. 
So I want to explore just one of the teachings here today, which is the teaching that I have given everything all of the meaning that it has for me. Let's consider that for a minute. Look around you. If you think about it, everything has been defined for you. A TV remote, for instance. If you had never seen a TV remote before, you would have no idea what it was or what it did. But at some point in time, somebody told you what it was and showed you how it worked. The same thing is true for a cell phone, a pen, a lamp. Everything has been explained and defined for you. A child doesn't come into this world knowing what all of these things are. He, she, is taught what they are and how they operate. If you were an alien, these items would be a curiosity, but they wouldn't mean much to you. Now, it's a little easier to accept this concept about some things, but may be considerably more challenging when it comes to other things. Take a sentimental piece of jewelry given to you by a loved one before they died. We might attach a lot of value to this item, but the value is not in the object. It's in the memory that object represents. It's a reminder of the love you shared and still share with that person. The object itself isn't the love. It's just a symbol of that love. So you would have given that object all of the meaning that it has for you. You could have been given that exact same object by someone who ultimately hurt you or betrayed you. And that object could be a reminder of and symbolize an experience you'd rather forget. And so the object probably wouldn't feel very valuable to you. Again, same object, completely different meaning attached to it. And thus the teaching, I have given everything all of the meaning that it has for me. That's not to say that the meaning you have attached to something is wrong or that nothing should mean anything to you. Only that we remember that we are creating our realities based on the beliefs and assumptions we have made about things. Recently, a friend told me about her experience growing up on a military base in the Azores. The Azores are a collection of islands off the coast of Portugal. Having spent most of her teenage years there, her exposure to pop culture was very limited. There was one television station and only about 34 kids in her entire school. So you could say she was a bit sheltered for several years. When they moved to the States, she said she was confused by and didn't understand racism when she witnessed it and had never heard of the N-word, as she put it. But suddenly she started hearing it. So where do those beliefs and assumptions that we've made about things come from? Chances are they were adopted from the world around us. I'm reminded of the story of the little girl who's watching her mother cook a pot roast and, as always, her mother cut the ends off the pot roast and tucked them in the side of the pot. This time, the little girl asked, why? Why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? You know, I'm not sure, her mother replied. That's the way my mom always did it and she made the best pot roasts. Unsatisfied, the little girl goes to her grandmother and asks, Grandma, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast when you cook it? Her grandmother thought about it for a minute and then admitted, I'm not sure, actually, that's the way my mom always did it. Still not satisfied, the next time she saw her, the little girl asked her great-grandmother the same question. Why do you cut the ends off the pot roast when you cook it? Her great-grandmother thought about it for quite a while before she said, 
Oh, because we were very poor and the pot I had wasn't big enough to fit the whole pot roast, so I would cut the ends off and tuck them in on the sides. So here you have several generations passing down an idea out of the belief or assumption that that was the way that you do it. Now, if a belief that this is how you cook a pot roast could get passed down without question through several generations, what other assumptions have we made that are currently defining our reality? Maybe that aren't quite so harmless. Consider for a moment what beliefs and assumptions you might be operating under in your own life that you don't even question. How well do you know your own mind? And what reality is your mind creating? For me, waking up means thinking for ourselves, questioning our assumptions, and being willing to think differently, being willing to change our minds. And if you're afraid to do either of those things, the next question is, why? What are you afraid of? If we think back to the teaching, I have given everything, all of the meaning that it has for me. What meaning have you attached to your life and the events of your life? And what if the meaning that you attached was like that little girl's mom cutting the ends off that pot roast? What if it was just some assumption you'd made because that was what you had seen so many others do before you? So if you're rejected, is the meaning that you attach to that experience that you're not worthy or lovable or valuable? If you made a mistake, do you, on some level, assume something about yourself, that there is something wrong with you? Do you feel guilt or shame, all because you simply made a mistake? I remember a friend sharing a story about when her seven-year-old son asked her, Mom, how come I feel guilty all the time? Perplexed, she said, I don't know, did you do something wrong? He said, no, I've thought about it and I can't think of anything. And I can't help but wonder how many adults are living their lives with an all-pervading sense of guilt that they just can't place. And how many are hiding the belief that there is something wrong with them because they don't know what to do with that guilt. Buried guilt and shame are sadly a big part of a surprising number of people's lives. Now, I'm not talking about the guilt you feel when you know you've done something that is out of integrity with who you are, that feeling of discomfort because you know you could have done better. I'm talking about an all-pervading sense of guilt that is always there, residing just beneath the surface. I guess this is a good time to distinguish between guilt and shame. I like how author and researcher Brene Brown differentiates between guilt and shame. She says guilt can be adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and feeling some sort of psychological discomfort. Whereas shame is the intensely painful feeling or belief that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. She goes on to say that shame is not helpful or productive, but is actually more likely to be the source of destructive, hurtful behavior than the solution or cure. In fact, it's now becoming more widely considered that the root cause of addiction is buried shame. And this shame doesn't even have to be from anything that we've ever done. It may have been inherited 
passed down because of what we've witnessed and observed and what we were told. Buried shame might also help explain why there are one million suicides every single year. Clearly, the effects of shame on our lives is worth examining. Now, let's circle back to some of the religious and cultural teachings that have been passed down over the generations. If your construct of the world, if your map of reality has you believing that you are born in sin and are inherently evil, or if for any other reason you are carrying an all-pervasive sense of guilt or shame, it may behoove you to look at and question your beliefs. Are your beliefs true? Or is it just a belief? Is it just what you were taught? Like the remote control that has no meaning other than what we gave it. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying throw away your beliefs or that your beliefs are wrong. And I'm not saying the experience of guilt has no place in our lives. But what about when guilt, which could be seen merely as a cue that we may have done something that is out of alignment with who we are, becomes shame? And if your beliefs are making you suffer, if your beliefs are cutting you off from the experience of love and connection, it might be time to rethink them. It might be time to question your assumptions and start to think for yourself. As a friend once pointed out, so many of us were told what to think, not how to think for ourselves. In fact, in some cases, we were specifically encouraged not to think for ourselves. Can you think of any instances in which that might have happened? And if we consider that we give everything all of the meaning that it has for us, it can actually be quite empowering to realize that we can change our minds, that we can choose again, because our thoughts are creating our reality. So if you're not loving your reality, you have to be willing to look at your thoughts. And your thoughts are a product of your beliefs. So perhaps consider reflecting on this for a while. I have given everything all of the meaning it has for me. Whether you are looking at a lamp, a car, a house, or an experience like a loss, a disappointment, or even a success, what are you making those experiences mean? You might be surprised at what you discover when you start to look again at some of the beliefs and assumptions under which you've been living. I know, a friend of mine told me when I shared with her what this podcast was going to be about, wow, that's pretty deep, Erica, but I never did like to frolic in the shallow end of the pool for very long. This is just one of the many teachings of A Course in Miracles that have had a significant impact on my life, so I thought I'd share. In the coming weeks and months, I look forward to sharing others. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Before I sign off, I wanted to mention my upcoming free webinar on how to fall in love with your life, learn the keys to unshakable self-confidence, true emotional freedom, and deeply loving relationships. You can learn more at ericaboucher.com slash loveyourlife. You can also learn more about my upcoming empath yoga training, a 200-hour yoga lifestyle training for those who want to teach yoga or simply make it an ongoing part of their daily lives. Visit ericaboucher.com slash empathyoga. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by giving me a five-star rating and help our ranking so we can reach more people who might be inspired by our message. Until next time, remember, our lives are a product of the choices that we make. Choose wisely. Choose wisely.